The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. And he said, um, everything went black. And I didn't know where I was, but I went back in. Grant Fiesel experienced 10 years of skull-battering collisions in the NFL. His wife, Cindy, shares how his brain disease known as CTE destroyed their marriage and ultimately his life. And I remember thinking maybe it was me. You know, I, I thought I had done something to irritate him and, and bring his behavior changes on. And welcome to Life Today. I'm James Robinson. Betty and I are thrilled to share this time with you. If you keep up with anything in the news related to sports and sports injuries, we've heard some really, really sad stories. This one, now, now I want you to look at this. This is a, quite an uh, impressive cover. Thomas Nelson's published this, After the Cheering Stops. After the Cheering Stops, an NFL wife story of concussions, loss, and the faith that saw her through and continues to see her through. Cindy Fiesel is the, uh, is the writer of this story. Uh, her husband, Grant, he played in the uh, NFL for, for many years, and, but he had concussions. And she's going to tell you what that was like. Would you welcome uh, Cindy to life today? Cindy, give that Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's not fun uh, to talk about the journey that, that uh, you and your husband, Grant, uh, experienced. Uh, I want, you, I want you to tell us how it affected you. You wrote the book, After the Cheering Stops. You, you wrote it to try to help people who have been impacted by this pain that a lot of people don't even seem to be aware of how it carries out. Uh -huh. Let me just ask you the question. He played how many years in the NFL? 11 years in the NFL. And was with the Seattle Seahawks mm -hmm. right before, I guess, they went on and won the Super Bowl. So he got to see a lot of preparation, right? Well, he, he when he played... They won the AFC West when and, he Well, that's progress. Yes, that's progress. Yeah, but we Absolutely. can remember when Dallas used to win a lot of games here. We're True. a little bit happier when some True. of those great things are happening. Okay, so did you know that he was suffering concussions while he was playing? And did you see any effect of that after they would happen other than maybe he's just uncomfortable? Well, when he was in college is the first time that he said he had a concussion. And I remember that he went out and I wondered what happened. And after the game, he said that he had his bell rung. And I had no idea what that meant. And he said, well, I, I had a concussion. Well, to me, I thought that meant it was serious because my sister had had a concussion when we were growing up and it was serious enough for her to be hospitalized. But he said, no, they just gave me some smelling salts and went back into the game and it's not a big deal, don't worry. So we didn't talk about concussions anymore until he got into the NFL. And I only remember him talking about one specific one and it was the last years of his career. And he was in Denver at the Mile High Stadium. And he went out for a series. Well, that was before we had cell phones. So mm -hmm. I didn't know what happened to him until he came home that night. And he said, um, everything went black. And he said, somebody helped me over to the side. And I didn't know where I was, but I went back in because they needed me, you know, he went back in and he said that he just remembered seeing just what was in front of him, just enough to get the ball. 
he couldn't he couldn't see anything else and he could hear loud noises because that was one of the loudest stadiums to play football in and so he said it was just excruciatingly painful because of the noise and um, but did he perform he could he, actually play he he went out for a series and then okay. he went back in okay and then um, played the rest of the game played the rest of the game and so i wondered what happened the whole time until he got home and he um he said, you know, he had a headache. Could you see a difference in the way he played not, after it, I couldn't. Because they must not have either, or they wouldn't have left no, him in. I couldn't. And um, he, he complained about a headache, but, you know, he went on and continued to... There was no timeout, in other words. He continued to play. And uh, that was the only time in the NFL that I remember him talking about a, a concussion specifically. But then he got a staph infection, and um, that was later on and after the staph infection he never and that was to related to some kind of a surgery had nothing to do with a concussion but okay. it had he had a knee problem and uh, he got a he got a staph infection and so he seemed to to be different after after that he continued to want to play and he did play but um, when he retired I remember uh, the night he retired he drank a bottle of Jack Daniels and I remember thinking something is not right and he had been bringing... Did he do this privately? He had, privately. And he had been bringing alcohol into the home and, and, and drinking it after the kids were in bed and then taking the bottles out in the morning. I thought all of that was odd. And he also was, was bringing in pills in little bags. And so I wasn't sure exactly what it was, but I knew that he was, he was taking something to um, alleviate some of the pain that he was having. So do you think oh, yeah. that the concussions added to the problems that came later? I the do. concussions, you know, to the drinking and all. But I had no idea mm. until after he died and the autopsy showed that he had CTE. I didn't even know what it was. I'd heard it talked about a little bit, but um, prior to that, you know, there was really not any knowledge that I had. And I didn't, I hadn't used the internet the way a lot of people were using the internet. And I didn't I didn't have Google, I guess you would say. So I didn't really have anything to go on. And Grant had a friend that he played football with that died at 47. And he was diagnosed as having CTE. And so Grant was already in the throes of addiction by then. But it was that diagnosis of his friend that made him stop, I think, and start thinking himself that perhaps that's what he had. You think the CTE, now you, he, he died. And yes. did you, how long was this journey with the two of you? not knowing necessarily that these concussions had contributed a to a total change in behavior, yes. to a tendency to lean on alcohol, yes. drugs, and that just became a part of his life, chronic, yes. chronic. and totally committed to it. Now, how did yes. that express toward you when you expressed concern for it? Um, when I would say, I think you need to get some help, he would say, there's nothing wrong with me. Um, he seemed to be more irritable. He he couldn't perform some of the basic tasks. He was disorganized. All of the things that he had never been before, even when he had played football, he was still able to, to do the basic things. And he held a job until the very end of his life, so he was still able to do a lot. But towards me, he was, um, he was aggressive and he was um, not happy with me, it seemed like, ever. Would he be verbally abusive? Yes. And, Physically, yes. sometimes. Yes, sometimes. And it wasn't something. But not you, till the very end of his life. You couldn't talk to anybody about this, really. No, no. I think it's a classic case of the way everybody, or not everybody, but a lot of people are when they are in an abusive, verbally, emotional, 
I think that it's embarrassing. And um, it so was hard. So you didn't re relate any of this to possibly being no. from the No, I thought it was all because yeah. of the addiction. Yeah. I thought it was all because of the addiction. And um, I didn't know who to tell. And I did start telling some friends at the end and wonderful people helped me through. And I just want everybody to know that if you're going through something like that, to reach out, to find a friend, go to a church, get involved in a ministry, or somehow reach out and get a lifeline mm -hmm. because you need one. And the spouse won't necessarily, or the person that's say that's fighting the, uh, the consequences or of the addiction, compulsive behavior, won't necessarily even want to participate in what we'd call an intervention. No. They don't have, did you feel like he didn't want anybody no. to talk about what he was actually doing that was a, a concern, not just, say, the headaches that might have carried over, but the way he was treating them, right. the alcohol, uh, right. the drugs, right. that uh, he wouldn't have wanted to discuss it? Because no. did you ever no. ask him? I begged him. Can we go for him? Begged him. Begged him. Begged him. And I remember crying on the floor, begging him to get help. And uh, he would say, you don't know what I'm going through. You have no idea what and you I'm really going didn't. through. And I didn't. I had no, no you idea. You didn't really even take and it back no, to the concussions. No. Are you saying now that, that what you've done in the exposure to, uh, uh, let's say, the reality of what happened to you that you've began to seek, have you found that this is actually something that becomes typical, perhaps, with people who've suffered concussions, that their actions uh, become so out of balance that they yes. can actually begin some kind of a, an addictive or yes. compulsive or yes. very unhealthy behavior? Yes. That's actually become yes. a, a fact? Yes, because after he died, I started pouring over all of the information. And I remember looking on the Mayo Clinic's website to see what the CTE symptoms were. And I just went, you know, I, I couldn't believe. It was just one thing after another that had been Grant's behavior patterns. And I had been journaling, and by this time I had gotten into Christian therapy, which was fabulous for me as well. And so um, she had encouraged me to start journaling seven years prior to Grant's death. So I, I, I was just amazed at how I started looking back at, at our life and realizing that it had just basically played out with the CTE steps. What was he like before that happened? Awesome. I wouldn't have wanted anybody that wasn't awesome. He was great. <laughs> he was tall and the tallest guy I'd ever seen. And he was handsome. He was a California kid. He was from California. What position did he play? He played center. Yeah. And so he was huge. High responsibility. Yes, and he did all the extra points and field goals. And wow. so um, he had a lot of responsibility. He took his job very seriously. And uh, he had a full scholarship to Abilene Christian and he took it very seriously. Is that where you met him? Yes. Yeah. Were, yes. The, were these uh, changes you be, you saw in him, were they gradual changes? Gradual, yes. It wasn't just something all No, no, and, and I remember thinking maybe it was me, you know, for a while, maybe there's something wrong with me. And then, then he started saying, it is you. <laughs> there is something wrong with you. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I thought I had done something to irritate him and, and bring his behavior changes on. Well, now you've found out as you've investigated that yes. a, a lot of people are going through this. Yes. And maybe don't even know what's causing. Okay. Yes. For Thomas Nelson and, and a great writer, Mike Yorkie, yes. to join with you to help. Fabulous. Uh, because, uh, you know, he's a New York Times bestselling, uh, really, author. And then you've yes. got uh, a forward by another bestselling uh, Dr. author. Dr. Daniel Amen. Yeah, and Jack, uh, Jeff Kemp. Uh, yes. Uh, Jack Kemp, uh, I believe, yes. a, a, a family yeah. member. He, um, the thing is that they've said such wonderful things. So for, for Thomas Nelson to be interested, they, they must believe that you had something to say to the families 
and to people who yes. need to realize what may be going on yes. so that they do what? What do you want them to do? Get monitored. Find a clinic somewhere that it can at least agree with you that your symptoms are CTE. There's no cure for it because you can't even find out you have it until you're autopsied. You've got to be dead. And so, um, but they know some steps and they know some preventative things. Dr. Daniel Amen has done a lot of wonderful studies and he has helped with supplements and just a change of lifestyle that has helped some people so you're advising, you're probably advising family as much as anything. Here. Yes. You got some issues that could go back to this. It's not like the person has suddenly just become compulsively addicted to substances. Something's going on right. that they're trying to medicate or mm -hmm. they're trying to treat yes. ineffectively yes. in a damaging way. Yes. And so do you feel like, and I know you are, you're at Gateway Church now. Yes. I know that you appreciate our equip program, yes. you know, everything related to yes. freedom, and you want to help people. Yes. So if, if somebody said, okay, we got some things going on, mm -hmm. and I don't want everything to just blow up. Mm -hmm. And I want to help, but I want to do it the right way. Mm -hmm. If they wanted to ask you some questions, because they can get the answers, many of them here in the book, uh, mm -hmm. after the cheering stops. Mm -hmm. But if they wanted to communicate with you with either Facebook or social media, could they do that? Yes, I have a Facebook page right now, and I'm going to have a website soon. And uh, my Facebook page is Cindy Feasel. It's Cindy Feasel, and it is already excited. It's being visited and you yes. actually try to, to deal with, with people. You, yes. You have a heart to minister to people yes. who are facing the challenges yes. that devastated your life yes. and your family. And, and you believe could have been, uh, let's say, uh, avoided or, or dealt with far more effectively. Yes. Don't have to reach that place. Let's just pray. Father, I pray, I pray for, for Cindy right now, but Lord, I pray for everyone watching who has anyone in the family right now that's being defeated. It could go back to some kind of an injury. Mm -hmm. We know there's so many of our military right now that are, mm -hmm. are suffering tragically because of the syndrome that follows the traumatic experiences they've been through. Lord, we know so often these miracles mm -hmm. come about of healing yes. because someone gets involved that has some insight and wisdom. We pray that happens. Yes. And we're praying you will bring healing to people right now that are concerned, mm -hmm. concerned like Cindy was and like she is for others. So God, please, please, touch lives today in Jesus' name. Listen, there's a telephone number there. Now, we've told you about uh, Cindy's, uh, her website we put there, the Facebook, how you could say, maybe ask her a question. Yeah. Maybe she, maybe maybe you're in the area. Maybe she could yeah. minister to you and help you because that's what our church does. That's what all the churches, I think, want to do. But if you need someone to pray for you, there's a telephone number right there on the screen. It's always a prayer line. In a few minutes, I'm going to show you where it becomes a miracle line, a helpline to an impossible situation immediately corrected. But see, that's what happens many times when people call and find someone to pray with them that's actually, in many instances, experienced some of the same, same concerns or maybe the challenges that you have. And when you find someone that can identify with you, they're able to be really, really helpful. So don't hesitate to call. If you don't feel like you have a personal relationship with the Lord, we've got a beautiful Bible study that I wrote based upon my own experience growing up without a father knowing God as Father. And you know, one of the things I'm trying to show the church right now, uh, Cindy, is the fact that there is a perfect Father. Yes. And those of us who know Him through faith in Christ yes. should look like the family that represents the Father. Yes. And I'm, I'm really encouraging that. You know, we're, we're concerned about our future. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says we're His body. Mm -hmm. The Bible makes it clear in the New Testament, we're the body of Christ mm -hmm. if we're, we're Christians. 
And he says the government is on his shoulders, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And where are his shoulders today? Christians. Mm -hmm. And you have to wonder, Christians, have you really shouldered the leadership, even the government, which is on his shoulders? Or do we hand it off to other shoulders? You can't put the word of God on a cart. You got to carry it on sanctified shoulders. And we live as yielded Christians filled with his spirit. Mm -hmm. And we deliver the word and the life he offers on sanctified shoulders, on lives yielded to his fullness. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And that's what you want to encourage people to do by reaching out with what you've experienced, what you believe can help people. And you're doing your part in God's heart in his body. Would you say thanks to Cindy? You understand what she's been through. You understand the challenge. And we're going to be praying for you, all right? And here is the book. You can, you can get it online or in the bookstores. And I believe it'll be a tremendous blessing. Betty, we're going to take, and I don't want you to miss this. You're, you'll see, I think, I, I know this week you're going to see me about 25 years ago. You too, because you still look the same. But you're going to notice right off, there's something different about my hair. Something, something happened to it. But, but what you're, you're going to see... I think you're going to see when God began to move my heart in ways that I never, ever really imagined, but I've I, I never gotten over it and never will. Matter of fact, it just ever increases. But in the face of incredible pain and challenge, I have watched the miracle of love when it's released. Watch. I think you'll be captivated by what I saw, Betty saw, captured our hearts forever. I'm here and just what is a small part of a massive graveyard. I've never seen anything like this in my life. But this part that I'm standing in, um, these are all children. And The thing that has touched us as a team so deeply is the way that the parents have tried to honor their children in some way by leaving something on the grave, whether it's just, you know, little booties, um, a little toy that meant something to the child. Some parents have literally, all they had was like an empty water bottle, but they just wanted to leave something to say, this is my child, um, and they were loved. And James, you'll remember being here. I mean, you were here, and you remember the impact this place had on you. What would horrify you is how it's grown. Dear God, I'm in the midst of a thousand children's graves. Most of them didn't have to die. They died like this little kid here that didn't have the nutrition. We're told that millions face death right now in Southern Africa, where I'm kneeling in the midst of children's graves. We're on the edge of such an epidemic again. In fact, just behind me, they've dug four little fresh graves, and there's there's no children in them yet, but they're getting ready because they know they're coming. And that's why we're here, and that's why we need to do something now. We need to be able to go into these villages and feed these children and bring hope to these parents so that these four little holes back here stay empty. We need your help, and we need it now. Oh, Lord, thank you that we can help. 
Uh, Sheila, I want to thank you. Sheila Walsh, I'm so glad you're kind of sharing the load with us and the missionaries. You're really a blessing, Sheila. And Betty, you remember when we walked in that, that graveyard? You know, I look back and it's, that's 25 years ago. I didn't walk away and forget it. We came home and told you. And the missionary said, we really need help. And I know you'd like to stay here with us, James, but please go back and ask for help so we can stay here and be effective. And we came back and we presented to you people just like you. Maybe some of you remember it that long ago because some of you have been so faithful. You're miracle workers in my eyes. And we came back and we shared it. And it was like you wanted to reach out with the hands of Jesus and the arms of a loving father and try to pick up as many of these who were suffering and facing death as you could. And we began, and think about this, Betty. There were thousands, a thousand or more had already been buried right there. Now then when she's there, there's many thousands. But we have saved the lives, talking to you, of 11 million children, according to African countries' leadership report. I mean, that's a lot of love as far as those families and those children. Many of them now have grown up to be leaders in their community, teachers, professors, law enforcement officers, government. They were dying. And our, our viewers saved them. And right now, there's a real crisis in many areas of Africa, and our missionaries are right in the middle of it. And we've got 400,000 kids that are facing terrible malnutrition. And then we found out that if we will feed when they're stabilized and they're in school, if we'll feed them in school, then we educate their little minds because their minds are keen to think they've got nourishment. So Betty, our viewers have been a part of a miracle and we need right now their help to feed 400,000 more for the next months and I'm believing they'll do it. I'm believing you're gonna join with us and make that difference and you know, as we know personally, it's hard to stand by a single grave of a loved one. But can you imagine a mother burying child after child after child? Mm -hmm. It's got to be so overwhelming, so breathtaking, so heart crushing. We can make the difference. They don't have to lose their children like this. So please join with us and let's feed these precious little ones. Betty and uh, I think a miracle answer to prayer. Several of our friends have come together who are able and they, they put up a $400,000 grant knowing that this is a real serious situation right now. They'll match what you give. 30, 50, $100, we can feed three, five or 10 children for the next months. If you give now, let's say you gave $50 to feed five, well it'll immediately jump to 10. And it'd be wonderful, you know, that if you could uh, could give the uh, the $100 and, 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 and we'd be able to feed twice the number that you normally can. And then, Betty, there's something I think that, that's it's so in incredible for people to know, $1,400 will feed an entire school. This is where the kids have kind of gotten over the main hump. Now they need, need, need to develop. 1,400 will feed a whole school for three months. I want you to take your bike card, go to lifetoday.org, or dial the number and make the largest gift you can because you're gonna be saving the lives of so many precious children. You're gonna stop that death cycle that was represented in that graveyard. We wanna send you, and I'm telling you, Lisa Bevere is one of the greatest communicators, teachers, and writers we have ever known in our life. She's been to the mission field. John's been there, Lisa's been several times. She's won't stop going. And we wanna send you without rival. This is phenomenal. Without rival, embrace your identity and purpose in an age of confusion and comparison, and comparison 
comparing yourselves to one another, you'll be void of wisdom, void of understanding. Let Lisa help you. This is, and then this is it. We, we have, uh, you know, we've got a, a 11 grandchildren. Most of them have grown up now. We're fixing to have a bunch of great grandkids, I know. The complete illustrated children's Bible. This is absolutely indescribably beautiful for your children or your grandchildren in the beautiful bronze. I want you to listen to the opportunity, what your gift will do, and know this, it's going to be double. Whatever you do, you make that call, you go online, you make that gift, you make a check, make it to life, but it's going to be doubled because of love. Thank you for making the gift. Thanks for caring. In remote and impoverished villages of Africa, children are suffering, desperately in need of life-saving food, facing death by starvation. Life's Mission Feeding Program is there, ready now to feed and care for children in crisis areas of Angola, Mozambique, and Sudan. With all of our previous reserves gone and Angola facing a record food shortage due to crop failure, we need to immediately replenish our funding and supplies for our feeding programs. As an answered prayer, a group of Life's friends have set a $400,000 matching gift challenge for mission feeding. This means your gift today can have a double impact. $30 for three children will be double to help feed six children. $50 to help feed five children will be double to save 10 children and $100 for 10 children will be double to help feed 20 children. And don't forget, your $1,400 gift to sponsor a school will now be double to feed children in two schools. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you Without Rival by author Lisa Bevere. With your double impact gift of $100 or more, please request the complete illustrated children's Bible. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000, which will now be double to help feed 200 children, and you may request our beautiful Majesty bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. You know, I want to I thank you for letting us go back. I wish I had that black hair. <laughs> Glad I got some hair. Hey, you still just as beautiful. And I don't, I don't know if we can show them how beautiful you were back then, but you still are. But, uh, you know, I've changed a little. But my heart hadn't changed. That's right. Thank you. Thank you for sharing what I believe is on God's heart and extending his hands. Thanks for your help. I want you to pray for Cindy to be real effective helping people. She could be a part of Gateway's outreach team because she cares. After the cheering stops, it's in the bookstores. If you say, James, we got some of these issues we're facing. Would you mind sending us her book? I think we, we might be facing some of the same things. We'll be glad to. You just ask for it, okay? But how about helping us feed somebody while we help you? Because that's what we want to do. Would you join us in thanks again to Cindy for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you so much. Praying God just open doors for all yes. the comfort you. Yes, thank you. Thank all of you. Thanks for watching. Encourage your friends to watch live today. Thank you for helping us feed these kids. Thanks for giving them life.
And sometimes popularity with man means we make ourselves an enemy with God. Author and speaker Lisa Bevere, tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.